Kings and chapter 22. I commend you for being in church today. I know it's a uh, holiday weekend and folks, it's kind of that uh, last gasp of summer, if you will. And uh, school starts in earnest for everybody uh, by Tuesday. And so uh, a lot of folks uh, take advantage of this weekend to get that last getaway in. And, and uh, so pray for those who are traveling, if you will. But I'm glad that you're here. Amen. And that's a great crowd for Labor Day Sunday, Labor Day weekend. And uh, we rejoice in what the Lord wants to do for us. And I and, uh, hope you've been uh, having, well, I hope you had a great week. Looking forward to what God has for us this upcoming week. 2 Kings 22. If you'll stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Kings. Where did that come from? <clears throat> and uh, 2 Kings 22. I'll have you all over your Bible. Amen. And, uh, and by the way, if you find, if you find 2 Kings or 2 Timothy 22, you let me know, okay? There's not that many chapters over there. But, uh, 2 Kings 22 and verse number, uh, I tell you what, let's read verse 1 and uh, also verse 2 and then we'll skip, uh, down a little later into the chapter. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 1, the Bible says, get this, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, get that, eight years old, a king at eight. We'll get there in just a second. And he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jedida, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And you don't have those names in 2 Timothy 22, by the way. Verse 2, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Look down in verse number 11, if you will. The Bible says, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asahiah, the, a servant of the king, saying, Get, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book, to, to do according unto all that which is written concerning us. Now skip down to verse number 18, if you will. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall ye say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place, and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes, and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered unto thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all this evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning, the heart of a child. The heart of a child. And let's pray together. Our Father, <clears throat> I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments. Sanctify this time in our hearts. May, uh, may your spirit do good heart work in all of us. And Father, the work that you want to do in us requires for us to have the heart of a child, a tender heart, a, a heart of flesh, the Bible calls it. I pray that you'd speak to us in a special way. Father, may not may this not be wasted time. May your spirit have free reign in this room 
And may you go person to person and from pew to pew and just do a good work of grace in all of us. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Josiah was one of the most unique characters of the Bible. As we read in verse number 1, he was eight years old when he was anointed or when he was crowned king of Judah. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. Imagine yourself when you were eight years old. Some of us have to think a little further back than others, and that's okay. But think back when you were eight years old, what would you have been tempted to do if you had been king of a nation? <laughs> it's almost comical, isn't it? King at eight years of age. Uh, when I was eight years old, my mom and dad uh, moved our family uh, from the states, the mainland, over to an island where my dad served as a missionary for some time. And uh, I, that's the, the kind of landmark event that happened when I was eight. And so I, I have a little bit of a grasp on what, I, what my thinking processes were then. But to be a king at eight years old, what would you have done at eight years of age if you were king? I know, all the candy you could possibly muster. Uh, your diet would have consisted of cotton candy and pizza and more cotton candy and other types of candy. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, what kind of decisions would you have made at eight years old? That's, all, that's, that's hard for us to grasp, isn't it? And I'm sure Josiah had many people who, uh, who helped him at that tender young age of eight. But to give you a little bit of background, you say, Preacher, why in the world would a kid be crowned king at eight years old. Well, very unique circumstances in the case of Josiah. You see, he came from a father and a grandfather who were incredibly wicked. Incredibly wicked. Josiah's grandfather was a man by the name of Manasseh. And Manasseh ruled the land of Judah for over 50 years. And the Bible says he gave himself to do evil. It wasn't just the fact that he was a bad dude. It wasn't just the fact that he made some mistakes. Uh, no, the Bible says about Manasseh that he gave himself over to commit wickedness. The Bible says he was guilty of shedding innocent blood in the land of Judah. Uh, he offered child sacrifices to foreign pagan gods in the land of uh, We're talking about Judah. We're talking about God's chosen people. <clears throat> we're talking about two of the twelve tribes there, the southern kingdom, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the lineage of David himself, the man after God's own heart, and down the, down the line of, of David's uh, 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 descendants, you find this man named Manasseh, who was wicked and vile as could be, and he was horrible. That was Josiah's grandfather. Manasseh had a son who obviously would have been Josiah's father, and that man was a man by the name of Amon, A-M-O-N. And if you thought Manasseh was bad, Amon was worse. This is Josiah's father and grandfather. <laughs> and we, we understand that Amon was so bad that uh, his own servants plotted to kill him. They said, look, we can't, we can't have another administration like that of Manasseh. And so not long into Amon's administration, uh, his own servants uh, performed a, uh, a conspiracy and they had a coup attempt and overthrew Amon and had him killed. And so in the lineage, in the monarchy that was Ju uh, Judah at that time, Josiah was next in line to be king. Only problem was he was eight years old. 
And so those are the circumstances of Josiah becoming king. Remarkably, Josiah was different. He was different. His grandfather was a heathen. His father was worse than his grandfather. But Josiah was different. Look back at verse number 2 with that as a little bit of background. Look at verse 2 in uh, 2 Kings chapter 22. The Bible says, And he, Josiah, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father. Now, when it says David his father, uh, his father meaning great, 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 great grandpa. He was way back. Okay, this is hundreds of years after David <coughs> was on the scene. But it's referring to his lineage. He said, the Bible says, Josiah did that which was right in the sight of of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. You see, Josiah didn't just make a little bit of changes from his from his uh, previous generations. He went back all the way back to David, and the Bible says he was straight as an arrow. He didn't turn to the left. He didn't turn to the right. He said, "You know what? We're, things are going to be different." Now, I don't know who taught and who, who had a hand in Josiah's upbringing, obviously, uh, from the age of eight years old, but somebody did a really good job. Understand something. There were some people there, obviously, who influenced him in a tremendous way. But what I want you to see as we get into the, uh, into the introduction this morning is this. What a marvelous testimony of the grace of God. What an incredible story that reminds us of how God can bring good from previously evil generations. What a great story. With the wicked heritage that he had, you would think that Josiah was destined to have the same wicked character as his father and his grandpa, but you know, this is only possible because of the grace of God. What Josiah decided to do was made possible because there's a God in heaven who said, you know what, you don't have to make the same mistakes as those who come before you. You don't have to have that same wicked thinking, that same wicked uh, decision-making process. Hey, you can be different. By the way, every, every generation will answer for, for himself. Don't miss it. Josiah was straight as an arrow. Josiah made a choice for himself to serve God, and so can you. So can you. You may be listening to my voice this morning and you say, Preacher, I come from a disadvantaged home myself. My parents don't do right. Maybe you came in on one of our buses or maybe somebody brought you as a guest. And you may be thinking, I don't have any kind of a heritage that would be glorifying to God. My mom and dad, they didn't attend church. Or my grandparents, they didn't bring my parents to church. And my parents never brought me to church. And I'm here quite by accident. No, sir, there are no accidents with God. There are no coincidences with God. And you can do right if you want to do right. Josiah made a choice for himself. He made a choice for himself. I get a little weary of folks who say they just can't help themselves because of their background. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. You see, there's a God in heaven who has given to every man a measure of faith and the grace to make right choices. Did you hear what I said? That book right there teaches us that the good God of heaven has given to every man the measure of faith. God gave you a measure of faith that was not contingent on what your daddy had, or what your grandpa had, or what your cousin had, or what your siblings had, or what your mama had. No, sir, God gave you your own measure of faith, and he expects you to do the right thing with it. My grandpa used to say, son, there's a verse in the Bible. He said, I can't tell you where it's at. He probably meant 2 Timothy 22. Every tub shall sit on its own bottom. 
That's where I was going with that a while ago. You just didn't know that. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> but, uh, but no, God has given all of us the ability and the free will to decide whether we personally are going to do right or do wrong. We live in an age where everybody wants to be a victim. Everybody wants to have an excuse as to why they can't do what they're supposed to do. Well, you know, my mom didn't give me enough B12 when I was a kid. You know, uh, uh, you know, I was given cod liver oil or not enough of it, or maybe it was, uh, maybe it was, any of you remember back, my mom and dad used to talk about whenever something ailed them as a kid, my grandparents would give to them something called castor oil. How many of you know what I'm talking about there? Thank God I missed out on that. I just want to testify this morning. My grandma, she let me smell it one time when I was a kid, and I thought, nope, you know what? I'm good. I feel great, vibrant, happy, healthy, and terrific. I don't need that stuff. But you know what? Sometimes we're looking for ways to pass the buck for our, for our own character flaws. We're looking for ways to excuse our own poor choices. Let me tell you something. If Josiah, as an eight-year-old boy, and, uh, and the years ensuing his assuming the throne, can say, I don't have to make the same mistakes as my dad. I don't have to make the same mistakes as my grandfather. God expects me to be what I'm supposed to be, and I'm going to accept that responsibility, then so can you and I. So can you and I. So here's this boy, <coughs> Josiah exposed to evil influences early in his life. And uh, he makes the choice to follow in the footsteps of King David. He makes the choice to follow the Lord. Well, fast forward this story. At the age of 26, the Bible says, in the 18th year of King Josiah, so he was eight when he assumed the throne, and uh, he'd been on the throne for 18 years, and something happened that really changed the course of his thinking in a good way. At age 26, Josiah orders for the temple to be repaired. You see, during the wicked reigns of his father and his grandfather, the temple had been neglected and the walls were crumbling and the uh, all of the furnishings of the temple had been in disrepair and it was dirty and it was filthy and it had been neglected for many years because after all, his grandpa Manasseh reigned for over 50 years and uh, had turned Israel, turned Judah rather, to, to, to uh, the worship of false gods and so he didn't care anything about the temple and his father, Amon, he certainly didn't care anything thing about the temple. So so many, many decades had passed, and the temple had fallen into disrepair. And uh, Josiah, as a 26-year-old young man, said, you know what? We need to clean this place up. We need to do some house cleaning. We need to do some repair work. And so he got all of his contractors together. He got his drywall guys together. He got his, his carpenters together. And he got all of his, his, uh, uh, the, the, the men of expertise in different areas of construction together. And he said, hey, we need to rebuild not rebuild the temple from the ground up. We need to repair the temple of God. Worship of the one true God needed to be restored in the temple. And so while the contractors were cleaning up and repairing the temple, somebody found a book. Not just any book. What, the, what they found was the book of the law of Moses. 
They found the Old Testament scrolls there. They found the, the, uh, the, uh, the first five books of the Bible. Sometimes we call them the Pentateuch or, or the, uh, uh, the, 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 the law, the books of Moses, what have you. And they found these books. And after all these years, here is the king of Judah. And for the first time, don't miss it, for the first time at the age of 26, the king, Josiah, hears something he'd never heard before. They brought this book into him, Brother Dave. And they opened it, and they began to read. And they began to read the commandments that God had given to Moses on Mount Sinai. They began to read all of the laws and all of the commandments and all of the statutes and all the judgments that God had given to His people centuries before. And as they began to read it, Josiah begins to weep. A 26-year-old man begins to weep because for the first time he he heard the Word of God. Hey, remember the first time you heard the Word of God? Wow. Remember how your heart burned when you heard it? Remember how how the Holy Spirit of God gripped your heart? Maybe you weren't even saved at the time. In fact, if it was the first time you heard the Word of God, you probably were not saved. But remember how you said something different about that. Here's Josiah, a 26-year-old young man who's king over Judah, and for the first time he hears the words of God. For the first time, someone reads to him the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law that God gave to Moses. And I want you to see his response in verse number 11, 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 11. It says, And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, he rent his clothes. He ripped his clothes. Now, in the Old Testament days, when somebody rent their clothes, and then sometimes they would put on sackcloth, and sometimes they would put dirt or ashes on their head, all of those things were symbolic of remorse and repentance. You see, what Josiah heard gripped his heart. What he heard stirred him to emotion. What he heard was the fact that his people were guilty of breaking many of God's commandments, and it bothered him. It bothered him. Let me ask you something. Many of you have been in church for a long time. Many of you have been, uh, you know, uh, this church is not the first day you've ever heard the Word of God. You've heard it dozens and hundreds and maybe even thousands of times. Does it still move us when we hear that we're not, com we're not obeying the commands of God like we ought to? It ought to stir us. Whether it's the first time you hear it or the 1,000th time that you hear it, it ought to stir us when somebody gives us the truth and, 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 and God speaks to our heart through His Word and through His Spirit and we say, oh my soul, oh my goodness, I'm not doing what I ought to do, Brother Dave. Oh my goodness, that, that there's something I ought to be doing that I'm not doing. It ought to stir us. Hey, what does the Word of God, how does it affect you? How does it affect you? You see... Josiah had the right response. The words meant something to him. It wasn't just a book. It was God's book. And for the first time, Josiah heard the laws that his people were guilty of violating, and it bothered him so much that he ripped his clothes. Hey, our relationship to the Bible ought to be something that we treasure. What is your relationship to the Word of God? How do we respond to it? How does it affect us? Are we convicted? Or are, are we bothered, but we just kind of turn aside and, and do our own thing? Hey, the Bible says over the book of James, we studied it just a few weeks ago, the Bible says that, uh, that, that some people, they treat the Bible as if somebody gets up in the morning, looks in the mirror, and then walks away without doing anything about what they saw. Now, if we had done that this morning, we would be a sight to behold. 
Let's rewind your life for about three hours, okay? And see the scene that you saw in the mirror this morning. What if you had decided, you know what? Ah, it'll be all right. I'm going to church just as I am, amen? Boy, we'd be, in a, we'd be in a heap of trouble. Hey, praise the Lord for the mirror that shows us what needed to be done. But let me tell you, the mirror didn't comb your hair. The mirror didn't put on, ladies, whatever it is that you needed to put on this morning to look presentable. Hey, the, the mirror didn't brush your teeth for you. In some cases, nothing. But anyway, uh, you know, it's one thing just to see what needs to be done in the mirror, but then we need to do something about it. And for some people, their reaction to the Word of God is they see what needs to be done. The Holy Spirit shows them what needs to change, shows them what needs to, 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 to happen in their life, and, but we just spiritually walk away from it. Well, what a tragedy. Josiah heard the Word of God and he said, man, we got to do something about this. We got to change some things right here. We got to start doing something. Hey, we got to start the true worship of Jehovah God like we ought to. The message this morning is simple. What you do with the Word of God is determined by the condition of your heart. You see, Josiah's reaction to the Word of God was right, and verse number 19 tells us why. Here's the text, First, uh, 2 Kings 22, verse 19. Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. You see, verse 19 gives a reason for why Josiah reacted the way that he did toward the Word of God. It's called a tender heart. The heart of a child. The heart of an eight-year-old boy. Oh, by this time, by the time this story takes place, Josiah's in the 18th year of his reign. He's a 26, 27-year-old young man somewhere in there. And, uh, but he still has that heart of a child. And when the Word of God was read to him at 26 years of age, 18 years into his kingdom, he still responded as he did at eight. He still responded uh, with with that tender heartedness. He wept and he cried and he and he and he he wept bitterly before the Lord and he ripped his clothes as a symbol of his remorse and his repentance as a king. And he said, "Oh God, please help me, God. I'm I'm lost and I'm undone and, and I need you, God. I don't know what to do." Do we have that same kind of reaction when we hear the word of God? If we don't, it's because we have lost the heart of a child. If we don't, it's because somehow we've grown calloused in our hearts. Somehow our hearts have have grown a, a scab or maybe some uh, maybe we've been wounded and there has been uh, th th there's some scar tissue that has made our heart a little bit hard on uh, spiritually speaking and now when we hear the word of God instead of weeping instead of crying instead of asking God to forgive us instead of saying God whatever you want me to do I'll change it we say well that was okay back in the day, but I'm beyond that. Hey, that's okay for some people, but, man, nah, you know what? I've been saved a long time. I don't need that anymore. Let me tell you, you'll never, I will never outgrow my need for that book right there. Hey, if I live to be 110, I'll never outgrow my need for the Word of God, and neither will you. And the Word of God is the same because the Word of God is a, it, it reminds us about one thing about God's character, and that is the fact that He never changes. 
Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. And by the way, the truth of the Word of God is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hey, the same truth that, hey, if it was true 50 years ago, my friend, it's still true today. Hey, if it's a Bible conviction 50 years ago, it ought to be a Bible conviction today. If it was, if it was wrong to do 50 years ago at all, hey, it's still wrong in 2018. God's word is not changed by culture. God's word is not changed by circumstances. God's word is not changed by our lack of character. No, sir. Let me tell you, it's God's word and what I get out of it is indicative of my heart's condition. You see, Josiah never lost the heart that he had as a child. His heart, now as a young man who had been on the throne for 18 years, was still soft and tender toward God. Let me give you three things and we'll be done. And by the way, these will be very brief, but let me share with you just a couple of things. First of all, your heart will determine your attitude toward the truth. Your heart will determine your response, your attitude towards the truth. You see, sometimes we're guilty of, of saying, well, you know, I don't accept that because somebody forced me to believe that. No, no. Look, I, I, may I say this? No one lives someone else's standards for a lifetime. None of us do. Ultimately, ultimately, my standards and my convictions and, and are based on my reception of the Word of God. If I don't receive it, it's because my heart has become a little bit calloused. If I don't receive it, it's because, not because the Bible has changed or God has changed, it's because I've changed. I've changed. That's hard for us to wrap our mind around. It's hard for us to admit, but that's the truth. Look, if you, uh, if you are not receptive to the Word, it indicates a deeper issue. A deeper issue. Why? Because our heart will determine how we receive the truth of the Word of God. Our heart determines that. I, uh, I, I'm, even right now, I'm praying for a man who is in his 80s. He lives up north, and uh, uh, he uh, his health is not very good, but even beyond that, he's not saved. He's not saved. We've been praying for God to save him. There's some, some folks in our church who've been praying for God to save this gentleman. And uh, he was in a hospital down in Southfield just a few months ago. I went down there to see him and, and I tried to talk to him about the Lord. And, and uh, he really didn't, you know, wasn't in a mood to talk about the Lord for sure. And I know for a fact this week someone else tried to witness to him. And again, he has turned a deaf ear to what they had to say. A man in his 80s and his heart is not receiving what God wants to give him. What a sad reality. What a sad reality. And of course, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will soften his heart and do whatever it takes to get him to a point where he's willing to listen. Oh yes, his health is a concern, but even a greater concern than his physical well-being, my friend, is the fact that he has a soul that's going to spend eternity in heaven or hell, but there's a heart there right now that says, you know what, I don't want to hear it. That's a bad place to be. Hey, it's a bad place to be if you're not saved, and it's a bad place to be if you are saved, but you're not willing to hear the instruction from God's Word. Number one, a tender heart, or a heart will determine our attitude toward the truth. Hey, number two, a tender heart will direct your compassion toward others. A tender heart will direct you to be compassionate toward others. We read a little bit earlier in the passage where Josiah heard what God said, heard the law of Moses as it was read to him, and his heart was broken for his people. He wasn't just concerned about himself. 
But his heart was broken over the condition of his people, broken over the condition of his nation, broken over the condition of those people that he loved. You know, as we look around at our society today, I can say with all, uh, <clears throat> with all gratitude, I'm proud to be an American. Thank God. Praise the Lord for the United States of America. I'm thankful to be an American. I, I mean that. By the way, I believe, I believe you're a good Christian. You ought to be a good citizen. You ought to be a good citizen. I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. I think you can be both. But as, as a Christian who also loves his country, my heart is broken when I look around and see what's going on in our country today. And our heart condition ought not be that of, <clears throat> well, our society got, is getting what's coming to it. You know, that may be true. And by the way, that's what happened with Josiah's nation. They did encounter the judgment of God. But he wasn't happy about it. Why? Because he had a heart of compassion. He had a tender heart that, that wept over his country and wept over the sins of his day and wept over the condition of, of God's people. Hey, that's what a tender heart will do for you. You won't look at people as a bother. You'll look at people as being burdened. You won't look at people as somebody who, that, that, they're just senseless. They're, they're senseless bother. They, they, they are annoying to me and I, I, I don't want to be around anybody because, you know, a tender heart says, they may be a bother, but it's probably because they carry a burden that I don't see. By the way, Brother Howells used to say this, most people are more burdened than they are bad. That's true. Many of the young people that we encounter, they, 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 they've got that bitter, hard shell, and, uh, and you try to work with them, and they may snap at you, and they may not be very kind to you. And they... But if you'll do some digging, and if there's a heart that's compassionate, many times what you find out is they're broken. They're broken. They need somebody to love them. Hey, they need somebody to share the love of Jesus with them. They need a Sunday school teacher, or they need a bus captain, or they need a caring Christian, they need a neighbor, they need somebody to say, hey, I just want you to know, I love you. And there's a God in heaven who loves you. So much so that He gave His Son Jesus to die on a cross. That's what they need. That's what they need. A tender heart will direct your compassion toward others. And finally this morning, a tender heart will attract God's mercy. A tender heart will attract the mercies of God. Josiah found out that God's people had violated God's laws for so long and that God's judgment was imminent. This is a sad thing, but it's true. By the time Josiah heard the word of God read as a 26-year-old man, God's judgment was already coming. It was already a foregone conclusion. God said, I can't stand it anymore. The sins of your grandpa, the sins of your father, the sins of those men even before that, have they, they violated my law for so many years. Uh, judgment is going to come, Josiah, and you can pray all you want to, but Josiah, judgment must come. My, the sins of your nation must be paid for. But he said, Josiah, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, because your heart is broken, because you have the heart of a child, I'll be merciful to you personally. You read on where the Bible says that Josiah <laughs> lived out the rest of his days and Josiah did not personally see the judgment that God brought on his nation. You know why? The condition of his heart. He had the heart of a child. A 26-year-old man who 18 years into his reign still has the heart of an 8-year-old that says, God, I sure do love you. Your heart's condition is very important this morning. It's very important. 
Josiah never lost the heart that he had as a child, and it served him well throughout the rest of his life. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Bible says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. When God saw his broken heart for his people, he said, Josiah, I'll be merciful to you. Josiah, I'll spare your life. You know, simple thought this morning, but just let me ask you a question. What's the condition of your heart? What's the condition of your heart? Maybe every one of us ought to do some introspection and look within ourselves and say, is my heart tender toward the Lord? Do I, do I listen to preaching? Do I listen to the Word of God? Am I listening for that still small voice of the Holy Spirit who's trying to speak to me? If the answer to that is, the Bible never moves me anymore, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. We can have everything just so on the outside, but if we're not willing to listen with our ears, it means we're not listening with our heart. It means we are turning a deaf ear away from God and saying, God, you can't move me anymore. God, you can't touch me anymore. God, you can't move me to tears anymore. God, you can't bother me with the truth anymore. That's a bad way to be. A bad way to be. Is your heart tender or is it tough? Is your heart teachable or is it obstinate? Is your heart open to the Lord or is it bitter against God? Hey, in some cases, some folks, something happens in your life and uh, it's a tragedy, bad circumstances. Uh, uh, something happens that you would not have chosen for yourself. And the reaction in some cases is to get bitter at God. What happens when you get bitter at God? Your heart gets hard. God, you didn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't ever let that happen, God. God, why me? God, why did you bring this into my life? God, why did you allow this to happen to my son or my daughter? Why is this sickness prevalent in my body? God, why? God, why? God, why? I'm not saying that's wrong to ask God those questions. As long as you come to the conclusion at the end of the day that God loves you. God loves you. People who get bitter at God develop a hard heart and that bitterness leads to even worse things than what caused the bitterness to start with what's the condition of your heart hey is it open to the Lord is it bitter against God no matter how old you get let me challenge you this morning don't lose the heart of a child some of you have been saved longer than I've been breathing air and that's great that's wonderful but don't ever lose the heart of a child don't lose the heart of a child Another benefit to having the heart of a child is the fact that children are generally receptive to the gospel. They're generally receptive to the gospel. I told you about the older gentleman who is in his 80s who's not receptive to the gospel right now. You know, most of the time when I had the opportunity to present the gospel to children, they're very receptive to it. The Bible says that we ought to have the faith of a little child to be saved. Just about a month ago, we had vacation Bible school, and over the course of a three-day period, 68 children received Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know why? Because the heart of a child says yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. The heart of a child says, I know I'm a sinner. I don't want to go to hell. Oh, God, I don't want to go to hell. Jesus, would you come into my heart and would you save me and would you take me to heaven when I die? That's the heart of a child. And Jesus said that's how anybody gets saved. Don't be so hard in your heart 
that you look at the free gift of salvation that God offers to every man freely. Don't be so hard in your heart that you say no to Jesus. Because in saying no to Jesus, you spend eternity in a lake of fire. Have the heart of a child. Have the heart of a child. That man that I mentioned a while ago, he needs the heart of a child, and so do you this morning if you're not saved. So do you if you're not saved. Do you have the heart of a child? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.